Jeremiah 18, verse 19. Read along with me. Jeremiah 18, verse 19. Jeremiah prays, Do give heed to me, O Lord, and listen to what my opponents are saying. Should good be repaid with evil? For they have dug a pit for me. Remember how I stood before you to speak good on their behalf so as to turn away your wrath from them. Therefore, give them Give their children over to famine and deliver them up to the power of the sword. Let their wives become childless and widowed. Let their men be smitten to death. The young men struck down with a sword in battle. May an outcry be heard from their houses when you suddenly bring raiders upon them, for they have dug a pit to capture me and hidden snares for my feet. Yet you, O Lord, know all their deadly designs against me. Do not forget their iniquity or blot out their sin from your sight. But may they be overthrown before you. Deal with them in the time of your anger. Then Jeremiah chapter 20, beginning in verse 7. O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You have overcome me and prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction because for me, the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. But if I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart, it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. For I have heard the whispering of many, terror on every side, denounce him. Yes, let us denounce him. All my trusted friends watching for my fall say, perhaps he will be deceived so that we may prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a dread champion. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail They will be utterly ashamed because they have failed. With an everlasting disgrace that will not be forgotten. Yet, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous, who see the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have set my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the soul of the needy one from the the hand of the evildoers. Cursed be the day when I was born. Let the day not be blessed when my mother bore me. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father, saying, A baby boy has been born to you and made him very happy. Let that man be like the cities which the Lord overthrew without relenting. And let him hear an outcry in the morning, a shout of alarm at noon, because he did not kill me before birth so that my mother would have been my grave and her womb ever pregnant. Why did I ever come forth from the womb to look on trouble and sorrow so that my days have been spent in shame? Hmm. I think many times a lot of us have an idealized view of the people of God that we see in the Bible. We see them... Greatly used, we see them, God blessing them, and we begin to think that we're 
Not anything like that. We're so far removed from the men and the women that we see in the Bible. However, the Bible says, James chapter 5, that Elijah was a man with a nature like us. Elijah was a great, greatly used. There was many miracles that he did, participated in and saw, even went to heaven in a chariot of fire. <laughs> and yet, and yet, after the battle, after uh, the little incident at Carmel, Jezebel chased him all over the country. Here in our passage, we can see that Jeremiah, too, a great man of God, one of the hallmarks of the Old Testament, and yet, in this passage, we see that he, too, had feet of clay. This morning, as we begin, I'm going to begin a series of 11 messages in the book of Jeremiah, and it'll take us about halfway to the halfway point in the book, the middle of Jeremiah. In our previous series, we had seen that Jeremiah was a man called of God, and he was called to preach a very difficult message to a a group of people who had forgotten the Lord God and had departed from the faith and were worshiping other pagan gods. His ministry began with Josiah, the last good king of Judah, continued to Zedekiah, the last king of Jerusalem, uh, just before the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonian army in the year 586. So our, our time setting is about 600 B.C., about 600 years before the birth of Christ. Babylon and Egypt are the main powers, and in between those two powers is the little kingdom of Judea, struggling to find independence, but yet relying on its own strength. And to that place, Jeremiah is called to minister the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but as I get older, I get less and less connected with the music of our time. I don't know, is that, is that, it's probably just me. The songs of the past have a little bit more impact on me than uh, the music of today. <laughs> As I was thinking about this message, I there was a little tune that ran through my head. It was written by Johnny Mercer back in 1944. You remember this? Some of you folks would remember it. Accentuate the positive. Latch on to the affirmative. Eliminate the negative and don't mess with Mr. In-Between. Anybody remember that? Just... God bless you. (laughs) You see, back then the words had meaning that you could understand. Well, the reason I bring this up is is we see in this prayer, these two prayers of Jeremiah, there's some pretty negative things and probably we need to 
maybe eliminate those in our lives. And there's some wonderful things that we'll see also in these prayers that we need to latch on to and accentuate in our lives. What I like about this prayer, these two prayers, is the absolute affirmation that Jeremiah is just like me and just like you. He has some hard times and yet and yet and yet he's able to press on with the Lord. Let's take a look. Okay. Two major themes you can follow along with me in your bulletin. The first one is we see Jeremiah's negative responses. Jeremiah's negative responses. The context is found in chapter 18 and uh, chapter 19. In chapter 18, in verse 11, Jeremiah has told the people of Judah that uh, the Lord is fashioning a calamity against them. And as a result, in verse 18, all those people who heard the message... Look with me, it says, Then they said, Come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. Surely the law is not going to be lost to the priest or counsel to the sage or divine word to the prophet. Come, let us strike him at him with our tongue and let us give no heed to his word. And that becomes the context of what he's about to pray in verse 19. Now the passage in verse 20 is that Jeremiah once again in chapter 19 had told them... um, the God was going to break him like he would broke a vase. And he gives a very picture. He breaks a vase in front of them. And he says, that's what God is going to do to Jerusalem unless they repent. And then in verse chapter 20, verse 1, Pashur, who's one of the chief officers of the house of the Lord, beats him up and puts him in stocks. And that becomes the context for the second prayer that begins in chapter 7. Oh. Uh, Verse 7, chapter 20. Let's take a look at how Jeremiah responds. First, negatively. First thing we see in verses 21 through 23 of chapter 18 is Jeremiah allows his anger to begin to control his thoughts. Jeremiah allows his anger to control his thoughts. Beginning in verse 21. Notice, he says... He begins to say some terrible things about those his enemies. Let their children be given over to famine, the power of the sword. Let their wives be childless and widows. Their men, the young men struck to death. May their houses be overcome by raiders. He just enters into it. He really gets into it. Then in verse 23, he even turns to the Lord. He says, don't even forgive them. <laughs> don't even pour your wrath upon them. Let them not even be forgiven, Lord. Jeremiah allows his anger to overwhelm and control his thoughts. Have you ever had a similar situation where someone maybe has deeply hurt you or come against you, perhaps physically harmed you, and the anger just kind of takes a hold of you. It grabs you. And it's like you can't shut it off. It just you keep thinking. Well, if when he says this, I am just gonna. I, and then I'm if he dares ever say, and you're plotting and you're thinking and you're thinking, maybe lying awake at night, picturing scenarios where your enemy is suffering, lying awake at night. Have you ever had that kind of thing? It's it's almost like. 
They say worrying and being angry like that is like sitting in a rocking chair. Lots of action, but you don't go anywhere. (laughs) You don't go anywhere. It's a waste of time. Well, what's the answer when when your anger has just overcome your thoughts? Well, first thing that we see is Jeremiah begins to pray. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So the first thing we see, he starts to pray. But the second thing is we need to learn... A simple lesson. Let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. That anger will kill you. It'll drive you away from the Lord. Many times physical doctors, doctors tell us what's physically wrong with us is not some physical thing, but it's our anger and unforgiveness that brings us to such a state. Years ago, I, I, I met a lady who picked up a, a terminal disease at a hospital. She had done nothing wrong. It just She got this disease in the hospital. And uh, there was nothing that she could do. And after a period of years that she was going to die. And that, that unfairness, that thing just drove her to be very bitter and angry at everyone and even the Lord and drove her away from the church and drove her away from the place where she could find real comfort and solace. And so we see that Jeremiah is uh, much like us, isn't he? Sometimes our anger begins to control our thoughts and our prayers second negative response we see is in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 20. Jeremiah allows his difficulties to make him question his calling. Jeremiah allows his difficulties to make him question his calling. Look what he says in chapter 20. He says, you've deceived me. (laughs) You've deceived me, Lord. You've overcome me and prevailed. I've become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. He began to question what God had called him to. But wait, 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 Jeremiah. Wait, wait. Don't you remember what the Lord said to you at your calling? Do you remember? Let me read the words. The Lord called him and said, Do not be afraid of them, for I am, will deliver you, says the Lord. I have appointed you this day over nations, over kingdoms, to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. That was his calling. That was his calling. That's what the Lord called him to do. However, his difficulties, in the midst of his difficulties, he had been worn down. And he began to question. Lord, you're deceiving me. I didn't sign up for this. Do you remember what Ananias, the prophet, was called to speak to the Apostle Paul when he went and prayed for him? He says, tell him how much he will what? Suffer for my name's sake. Now, we all sing great songs in the church. We have wonderful songs. We talk, sing songs about suffering for Jesus and I'll deny, take it all, Lord. And we sing these wonderful songs 
I don't, that's, that's great, and that's part of coming to church. However, the reality suddenly breaks forth us when we go out that door and we find out the consequences of living for Christ in this world and what it will do to us. And oftentimes it takes our breath away. Jeremiah is saying at this point, hey, I, uh, you deceive me, Lord. What is this about? I, I didn't sign up for this, but that's exactly what God called him to do. Directly after graduating from high school, I went down and uh, saw the uh, recruiting sergeant at the United States Air Force recruiting office and signed up, raised my hand, took the the pledge. And I was excited of snappy uniforms, fairly good pay, traveling all over the world. It looked great. Then they put me on a plane. They flew me to San Antonio, Texas in July. <laughs> a place called Lackland Air Force Base. And about the second day there, I thought, I have made the biggest mistake. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this, but that's exactly what I did sign up when I raised my hand. Jeremiah, in his difficulties, shows that shows us that he he got to a place where he's, hey, <laughs> uh, this is not what I signed up for. Third thing that we see, Jeremiah allows his struggles to drive him towards despair. Verses 14 through 18 of chapter 20. Uh, These are words, uh, these were difficult verses. Did you read these verses? Do you read them? Do you hear what he's saying? You hear what he's saying? I wish I had never been born. And now, it's interesting, verse 17, notice what it says, because he, who is that? Well, it's not capitalized. They're saying it's not the Lord. It's the man who brought the news to him. Why didn't he kill me? Is he saying, why why wasn't I aborted? Is that what he's saying? So that my mother would have been my grave in her womb, ever pregnant? Saying, I wish I I wasn't even born. Maybe I was aborted. Hmm. His thoughts go contrary to what was said in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. He says, I wish I had never been born. And in that, we get just a glimpse of how great his struggle was as he faced the many difficulties. It says here in verse uh, 10 that all of his trusted friends turned against him. All of his trusted friends turned against him because of what he was saying for the Lord. And he throws, he throws up his hands in despair. Now, you remember that wonderful Christian classic they show every Christmas. It's a wonderful life with George Bailey. You remember that story? 
And George Bailey sacrifices for his family and his friends. He gives his life for their good. And then what happens? Some terrible thing happens. And he reaches the place on Christmas Eve saying what? I wish I had never been born. And then as the picture proceeds, we find out what? That would have been terrible if he had never been born. This is one of the realities of one of the greatest men in the Hebrew scriptures. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought that way? Well, perhaps some have. One difficulty after another overcame you. Now this is not, this is not, guys, because his toast was burned in the morning or he had a flat tire on the way to work. Uh, These things have struck at his very core of his being. And he cries out in despair, I wish I had never been born. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought that? Perhaps. If you have, welcome to his club. <laughs> welcome to his club. Jeremiah is a charter member. He's a charter member. Now, you're saying, Neil, this is awfully negative. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, well, what are you going to do with those verses? <laughs> what are you going to do with I mean, that's where he was. Now, here's the encouraging part. The encouraging part is this did not invalidate his call, did not keep the Lord from using him. Do you see this? Do you see this man? Do you see the reality of who he was at, at some times in his life? And God still used him in a powerful way. You're thinking, well, I, that's me, Pastor New. You're just talking about me. I'm filled with anger. Uh, I, I don't even know what the, if the Lord will ever use me. And sometimes I wish I was never born. Well, welcome to the... You know, you're signed up. You're in the God's plan and he's going to use you. Why? Because this is the common experience, guys. This is the common experience from time to time of saints who are living for Jesus in this lost world. This is reality. This is part of what it is. And guess what? God will use you as he used Jeremiah to the fullest extent that you will allow him in spite of your clay feet. Because guess what? Jeremiah had the same clay feet from time to time in his life. Okay. Let's now look at some positive responses. First thing that we see throughout the whole two prayers is Jeremiah prays honestly and openly without reservation. He prays honestly and openly without reservation. These prayers, even with their negative aspects, he's moving in the right direction. Why? He's calling on the name of the Lord. Why? He's he's doing what he should be doing. He's speaking honestly. He's pouring out his heart to the Lord. He's not holding anything back. Sometimes we, in our struggles, pray these, these lofty prayers, and they don't, reflect anything that's really in our heart. 
We're so mad at somebody. We are so angry at them. And yet, we pray this prayer. And you have to ask, well, who are you trying to impress with your lofty prayers? Psalm 139 says what? Even before there's a word on your tongue, what? God knows what you, you're thinking. So if God knows what you're thinking, why are you lying to him about your, in your prayers? Jeremiah just, he, he just lays it on the table. Here it is, God. This is who I am. This is where I'm at. This is what I want you to do to my enemies. I want you to kill their children, make their, chi- make their wives childless. Get them, God. Get them. Because that's where he was at. That's just who he was. And it's part of the process, listen, part of the process of him finding peace in the midst of what he's struggling with. So he prays honestly and openly without reservation. Secondly, in verses 11 through 13 of chapter 20, we see he had moments of faith and trust in God. These words set us back in our seats. In the midst of all this negativity, what does he end up? He's praising the Lord. I'm thanking you, God. You're going to come through for me. Hello, where did that come from? These verses give me a little hope in the midst of my own pessimism. How about you? Have you seen that oftentimes you have moments where you're just... You sound like Jeremiah, but then there's, yeah, I'm going to trust God. I'm praising you, God. Because that's an experience that all of us have. We have moments of light in the midst of sometimes some dark times. But he is putting his trust in the Lord. Now, my own carnal mind would say, oh, Neil, you're just so double-minded. No, 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 that's not double-minded. That's not double-minded at all. That's not double-minded at all. As a matter of fact, it's expressive of a man of God who in the midst of his difficulties is able to rise from his despair and his troubles and say, oh God, only you and you only can I put our trust. And sometimes we come to church on Sunday morning and we come like Jeremiah One, two, three, the first three points, and what happens? As we're here, we're able to release those things and find what? Peace with God as we lift up our hands and we praise him. So Jeremiah had moments in the midst of his difficulties of faith and trust in God. Thirdly, verse 9 of chapter 20. I love this verse. Jeremiah cannot go against his calling. Look what he says. Verse 9. But if I say to him, I will not remember him or speak his name anymore, then in my heart it becomes a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. I cannot endure it. Okay, here's what's going on. He said, okay, I am really tired of this scene. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm not going to say anything more. Because every time I open my mouth, (laughs) I get slapped around. Okay? Okay, God, I ain't going to say nothing more. That's it. I'm done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nice weather. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where he's at. Okay, that's his plan. But as he goes along, guess what happens? (laughs) He can't help but speak. The message is burning in his heart. And is that not a mark 
of a true disciple of Jesus? Is that not a mark of truth? Not that we go around preaching every moment of the day, but as we go through events of the day and the people of their day, there's like an underlying theme. And the underlying theme is what? I hope that somewhere, sometime this day, I find someone who's just a little open, a little open to the spiritual things in life. And we go along and we find them, and guess what happens? Out it comes. Out it comes. Why is this? It's not because we've thought, well, this is the way it's going to be. It's just because of what God has done in our lives. You see, you cannot help but speak. It's not like you enter into this, I'm going to witness to every person that I ever meet. No, no, no. You just, you enter in. And as God opens the door and people speak to you, you you see an opportunity. And out it comes. You can't help but speaking because it is of who you really are. You're a child of God. And you cannot help but speak of the things of God. So Jeremiah can't go against his calling. Look with me in 19 and 20 of chapter 18. Jeremiah calls on the Lord to hear his prayer. Well, this is obvious, but just wait. Look what he says. Verse 19. Do give heed to me, O Lord, and listen to what what my opponents are saying. So he says, hear what I'm saying here, Lord. Then look at the, the reason he gives to ask the Lord to hear his prayer is found in verse 20, the second half. Remember how I stood before you to speak good on their behalf so as to turn away your wrath from them. He's giving the reason why God should hear his prayer. Now, what is he talking about? He's saying, God, hear my prayer because they meant evil for me, but in the midst of them wanting evil for me, I stood before you making a plea for them. Now, we know as Christians that the only reason God should answer or listen to our prayers is why? Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, because of the finished work of Jesus. That's why we pray what? We end our prayers, uh, that, those three words, in Jesus' name. That's not a lucky rabbit's foot, you know, okay, I just, everything, uh, in Jesus' name, because it, you know. No, 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 no. The reason you say in Jesus' name is because you're saying, the only reason you should listen to this is because of what Jesus has done. That's what it means. But also in the New Testament, it says what? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you should wish and it'll be done for you. He says, if you pray anything according to God's will, he'll hear you. Notice what he's saying. God had no, takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God wishes all to be saved. So Jeremiah was standing directly centered in the will of God and what he knew God wanted to do in the heart of those people and he says you hear my prayer you hear my prayer so Jeremiah calls on the Lord to hear his prayer and finally Jeremiah leaves room for the wrath of God now you say wait a minute now wait a minute what did you say in the first part we talked about this in a few minutes a few minutes ago but notice one thing He never acted on him, did he? Look at verse 12. Verse 12 of chapter 20 says here, let your vengeance come upon them. Let your vengeance come upon them. Now, if you read the balance of the 
the book of Jeremiah, you will never, ever, ever see him take his vengeance out on the people of God in spite of what they have done. As a matter of fact, you'll find out that Jeremiah continued to preach until Jerusalem was burned. After Jerusalem was burned and destroyed, he told the people, stay here. It's going to work out okay. They didn't listen to him. As a matter of fact, they took him captive and dragged him to Egypt. And he told them, you go down to Egypt, we're going to get destroyed. He still maintained and stood with his people preaching the word of God. He never, ever took out his vengeance on what they have done. Now he thought it and he prayed it. But he left room for the wrath of God. Now, so here's, here's the testimony of Jeremiah. A man with a nature like ours. However, however, greatly used and a real testament to the power and the love of God. Now, do you remember one of the last words that were written in 2 Timothy for, for uh, that Paul wrote just before his death? He said what? He said, I have fought the fight. I have finished the course. I have what? Kept the faith. Jeremiah could say that. Jeremiah could say that. That's, that's the kind of life he lived. Now, here's the question. Here's the application. How do we do that? How do we say with Paul and Jeremiah, I fought the fight, I finished the course, I kept the faith? Well, here in this passage, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you because what we see here, in spite of his anger at what the people and his friends had done to him, he left room for the wrath of God. In spite of his difficulties that caused him to even question the calling of God, he maintained his trust and reliance on God. And in spite of his despair at times, in spite of his despair, he had moments of faith and trust. He could not go against his calling. And he called out in the name of the Lord to hear his prayer. Now, there's there's second application is, you're thinking, well, that first part of what you said is true about me. I, I, that's, I have experienced that. But I'm telling you, that's the reality of a person who has faith in God, who's living in this sinful world. All those who attempt to live godly in this world shall suffer persecution. That's part of it. And these are an honest response to the difficulty that he was facing and doesn't disqualify you. It doesn't keep you from God, God ever using you. As a matter of fact, it qualifies you along with Jeremiah and along with Elijah and most other of the saints that are in the Bible because they were people with a nature just like 
us. Welcome to the club. Jeremiah welcomes you. And Elijah is right behind him, ready to give you your membership card. Trust me, that's the reality of saints of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we want to say to you that we're so thankful for the honesty of Jeremiah in not pretending that everything was wonderful. Because in reality, he spoke the truth of his struggles and he reaches out a hand to us to tell us that it's okay, that God understands and God is there to empower us and help us, enable us in spite of our difficulties, in spite of our feelings, in spite of our fears and our despair, that he can use us and that he will use us and he hasn't given up on us. So thank you for the word that Jeremiah gives us this morning to each saint here, that he has a plan for us and a purpose in spite of our clay feet, in spite of our our foibles and our failures. He has something wonderful for us if we'll just take his hand and walk with him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with me this morning.